Wash your hands and keep it clean. You gotta wash your hands and keep it clean. We'll flatten that curve while we're quarantined. It feels absurd, but just you wait and see. Cover your cough and if you sneeze, and then you wash your hands and keep it clean. That's right. Wash your hands, everybody. Welcome to this special edition of Thrive Subscribe, COVID-19 Practice Pearls by CPSN. Um, we've partnered with CPSN USA to bring you a Saturday morning podcast that is focused on community pharmacy practice pearls during this coronavirus pandemic. So each week over the next few weeks, we'll summarize the most necessary topics and share best practices and common questions, as well as any new challenges that are coming up from your community pharmacy peers across the country. Um, the goal of this podcast each week is so that we can quickly get together and share best practices for all community pharmacy teams to take back to their pharmacies, help their businesses, help their teams, support your patients and your communities during this pandemic. So this week, we're focused on what we're seeing happen at the state and national levels, with many bills being passed in legislation that support pharmacy services. And to help share insights, we're really lucky today to have Rebecca Sneed, who is the CEO of the National Alliance of State Pharmacy Associations, here with us today. She's going to talk with our hosts, Joe Moose and Ashley Branham, about the work that's being done at the state and national levels to support pharmacy practice and really just how fast things are moving and what that looks like for pharmacy long term. Um, and I'll just throw out just before this podcast, I was on LinkedIn and I saw that NACDF put a quote out and I just I thought they summed it up best. Um, that our nation will not be able to fully bend the curve nor relaunch the economy without unleashing pharmacies and pharmacists. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Joe and Ashley. And thank you both so much for taking the time again this week to talk with our listeners. I know what you're learning at the stores is quite a bit about best practices, and you're hearing from everyone across the country with the challenges that they're facing. Um, so with that, you know, what do community teams need to focus on right now? Thank you, Suzanne, and welcome to the Unleashed version of Joe and Ashley on the podcast. Um, so, uh, introduce myself real quick. I'm Joe Moose, Director of Strategy and Luminary Development for CPESN USA, and I'm also a, a pharmacy owner for um, seven locations uh, in, in North Carolina. Uh, so, welcome to a podcast today. We don't claim to be uh, coronavirus or COVID experts, uh, but we're trying to disseminate best practice information that we're learning from the roughly 350, 400 luminaries and, and other uh, super innovative pharmacists from across the country. So we share we share these ideas. Today in the podcast, as every um, day in the podcast, for those of you who are on live, we would like you to type your questions in the question comment, but not just your questions. We really want you to type in your best practices and, hey, here's what I'm doing in my pharmacy or here's what I'm seeing other guys do. So so we had a super robust uh, episode last week with a ton of dialogue. So we're really counting on you guys to, to give us the best um, the best scenarios and what you're doing. You are the innovators out there who are figuring out how to work the way through through these problems that we're facing. It's not sitting in some laboratory in some 
uh, academic teams coming up with the way it should be. It's, it's you guys' boots on the ground really, uh, really fixing the problem. Um, so before we, uh, before I hand this off to, to my co-host, uh, I, I thought one of the best things you were talking about your, your quotes you saw from NACDS, Susanna, I think the best quote I saw was, was on uh, Instagram or Facebook. And it was, uh, a after this is over, can us essential employees get a month of quarantine while the rest of us run things or while the rest of y'all run things for a minute? <laughs> so, uh, th that's truly the way I feel. I feel like it's been like just you know, in the trenches running wide open. And I see all of my friends posting all of their, their fishing pictures and they're cleaning out their garages and all the new recipes and things they've cooked and the flower beds that they've planted and all like, who's got time for that? So anyway, as we hit the thing and get running, I'm going to hand this off to my co-host, uh, Ashley Branham. So Ashley. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. I'm Ashley, um, Director of Network Development um, with CPESN USA, and I'm coming to you right in the middle of a very hectic pharmacy um, and Moose Pharmacy of Monroe, just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. And today... Um, you never know what you're going to get when you walk in the pharmacy, and I know many of you are experiencing that. Every day is bringing a brand new challenge. When you think you've um, figured out one hiccup, there's another uh, workflow change or um, something that, that comes about to, to, um, to, to alter your day, um, unlike the day before. And so um, I'm feeling that with you this week. Uh, we were just talking with our staff, and, you know, I said, they're tired and we said you know we haven't had a normal workflow in in several weeks now and i know you're tired and and um this is getting really really hard as you're getting more exhausted and so um so i'm i'm thinking about all of you out there that's um, kind of facing those same challenges every day uh today joe and i were talking and, and we're starting to see um kind of some segments of or at least glimpses of shortages that are coming about um hopefully many of you have yet to see that but we're, we're starting to see it in, in our pharmacies and through some of our wholesalers and been getting um, a number of questions from customers today where insurance companies are reaching out to them encouraging customers to call their pharmacies and get 90-day supplies and so um, I've been battling those phone calls all day and as Joe mentioned um, you know type in your comments or how you're handling those types of those issues what are you saying to customers that are requesting that as we know we're on the brink of shortage um, working with um, customers to make sure we have adequate supply in our pharmacies. We also thought this would be a really good time to bring in Rebecca Sneed. Um, she can give us a glimpse of what's happening on a national level, um, um, uh, you know, across all of the different pharmacy associations and, um, you know, um, the type of impact that's being made, not only with drug shortages, but many of the other challenges that you're facing right now through this um, COVID pandemic. Uh, so, I, Becky, we're so pleased to have you on here today, and, and I know that the listeners are too, um, as you can kind of give us some um, insight on what's happening, um, you know, in the realms of state associations and, and, and some of the, the conversations that's going on on that level. Thank you, Ashley, um, and thank you for inviting me to today's podcast. 
and I can't thank the frontline professionals working 24-7 to serve your patients enough. Um, the National Alliance of State Pharmacy Association really exists to support our state pharmacy associations. Um, as Ashley said, I'm Becky Sneed. I am a pharmacist, grew up uh, working in an independent pharmacy as a soda jerk um, before I, I graduated to um, additional responsibilities. Um, I've had the great pleasure for um, the last almost two decades now to work for the National Alliance of State Pharmacy Associations and um, certainly um, thrilled to, to share whatever um, the individuals have questions about. Type them in the, in the uh, question box, chat box, and Joe and Ashley, anything that you would like to know a little bit more about as far as the work of the state pharmacy associations as well as the nationals and um, state agencies. Um, I'm here to be a resource. Perfect. Thanks, Becky. Appreciate it very much. Um, so from a, from a national level, uh, you know, what, what is going on uh, nationwide or statewide level to assist us pharmacists who are like you say, on on the front line to, to help maintain our customer levels of customer service and help help take care of of our existing customer base while navigating through this new uh, set of landmines that have put in in place for us with with COVID. Yeah, great question, Joe. I just uh, was off of a, a national call um, with um, the Alliance for Pharmacy Compounding and looking at some of the drug shortages and. Um, working with the FDA as well as the National uh, Association of Boards of Pharmacy and State Boards of Pharmacy to try to get some clarity of, of what latitude you have to be able to um, help your patients. Um, very, very thrilled that um, last week, uh, 12 national associations, NASPA representing the state pharmacy associations, came together to create a consensus on policy recommendations for federal and state agencies. And we're seeing those policy recommendations uh, sort of play out through our federal agencies, whether they be the FDA, whether they be DEA, CMS, um, and then down and trickle to um, state boards of pharmacy, uh, executive orders from um, administrations and boards of health. So um, I think a lot of thought has went into the um, all of the areas that we could anticipate there would be challenges, and this is why these forums are so important, and why state pharmacy associations are also hosting forums on a regular basis to listen to the frontline practitioners, see where their pain points are, and try to push um, as hard as possible um, uh, to find solutions. Um, I will. Uh, pause in just a second, but the four main areas in our policy recommendations were uh, basically remove any and all regulatory or legislative barriers for the pharmacists doing whatever they needed to to help patients. Um, and the buckets we had were to authorize, to test, treat, and, and immunize, um, ease operational barriers to address workforce and workflow issues, address shortages and continuity of care, and then you can't do any of it unless we can find a revenue model to keep our doors open. So reimburse for services by removing any barriers there are to, um, to, to, to being able to be compensated for some of these services. 
Yeah, so you mentioned a, a revenue model. Are you seeing, um, we're seeing big, big dollars talked about, um, you know, eight plus billion and, and uh, more zeros that I can figure out out there. Are you seeing anyone specifically talking about dollars that would be directed to pharmacy or dollars that would be directed to a specific type of type of service or care? I know that today some of us uh, got some some information that that some of the payers may be uh, the commercial payers may be paying extra for delivery services. So, are you seeing any other conversations like that happening? Yeah, it's it's never fast enough and never enough. Um, the short answer, but. There's a lot of conversation. Um, I do see more movement at the state level than I do at the national level at this um, juncture. We were um, within hours at midnight on Monday night. I would have told you when I woke up Tuesday morning, we would have a limited um, provider status through Medicare across the finish line. Um, we had the White House. We had HHS. We had CMS. We had Senate Finance. And the Senate majority leaders all on board with a um, limited but still provider status for pharmacists to be able to test and treat as well as to um, prescribe whatever is necessary, make any adjustments and, and therapies necessary, and, and, and really take care of our patients. Um, it, we are still debriefing as to what hung up, but it appeared that at the last minute, the Office of uh, Budget Management uh, Terms that you probably don't want to learn or don't even want to know what they do, but they get in our way all the time, um, had some questions. So we got punted to the next package. Um, at the state level, there's tremendous latitude that the states have within Medicaid. And I think that that's a strategy we need to explore a little bit more. Yeah, I, I've got a, a, one of the listeners that sent me a note saying, um, can the National State Associations put something out? Uh, because like an article in today's paper that lists essential services, they, they list pharmacy as frontline, um, where, where the state associations or national association would say pharmacies are frontline healthcare providers rather than frontline retailers. Yeah, we, I mean, I think that we've got, uh, a lot of work to do. Um, having said that, um, the, the words essential and pharmacists are pharmacy. Is, is a step forward, um, and we take it and try to leverage it as much as we can. Great. Um, you mentioned uh, shortages and, and preparing for shortages, uh, and Ashley, I, I know that you're starting to see some some shortages in, in your area. Can you comment on, on what you're seeing, Ashley, and and kind of what the mood and what, what the the uh, culture is around shortages and um on a Ashley. and I wasn't sure whether you were talking to Ashley or me, so I'll defer to Ashley first and then I'll follow up if there's anything I want to add. Thanks, Becky. We yeah, yeah uh, we we are seeing um kind of the beginnings of um, some shortages, and I know it's bringing a lot of anxiety amongst staff that are expecting these orders to come in, um, primarily around insulins and different types of inhalers. 
I know I've read a number of articles where, um, you know, the anticipated um, shortages around hydroxychloroquine or azithromycin or perhaps other, um, you know, key medications will soon um, um, kind of be in a shortage situation. We've not seen that, at least in, in my um, example of one so far, but um, we are seeing those um, critical medications starting to, to um, hit um, shortage areas where they're very difficult to find. Um, Rebecca, I know that's um, very high on your radar and, and, and the execs that you work with every day um, and through the various state associations. Are you seeing any conversation around this or um, anything that um, you know, can kind of give the community pharmacy owners on this line today um, some some insight on what to expect? Yeah, um, it's, it's it's real and it's huge and it's going to grow. So we need to anticipate. So um, there's a variety of different strategies. Can you um, do therapeutic substitution? and um, get get somebody, if there is a product that is in shortage, onto a, a, a stabilized on a product that you do have access for. Um, is there an ability for those of you that compound to be able to access API and, and compound products that are in shortage? Um, is there um, an ability to perhaps transfer a product from um, either from your traditional uh, pharmacy to health systems to health systems back, um, a, a latitude to uh, move those products in a way that perhaps had been, um, uh, you know, considered in, in, in rightfully so, a, you know, a concern if if not monitored and, and handled in a responsible way. But all of those strategies are things that are in discussions. So state boards, depending upon um, uh, which state you're in. Many of the state boards have been um, working with their administration and um, uh, executing executive orders um, to be able to allow for that more um, anticipatory, we're going to have shortages, how are we going to handle it, what restrictions do we need to take off of the profession? Yeah, and, and we're seeing, you know, essential supply shortages, too. So shortages of, of cleaning supplies, thermometers, you, you know, those type things. So I think uh, all of that is is something that we need to address and remember. So any of you guys that are on live, um, if you could send us, if you have a drug shortage script that you're telling people, or if you have a... a uh, SOP or a policy around drug shortages and, or any ideas of what you're doing um, in, in your area, please put that in the in the questions box, uh, comments around that, or uh, uh, we have an a email account, uh, COVID, C-O-V-I-D, at cpesn.com, that we'd love for you to send attachments of your protocols and and photographs of what you're doing to set up. Uh, we use all of that to to feed the website and and to to get out to you guys. Ashley. Yeah. So, Joe, I was just going to bring about you know as a response to um, to what Becky just shared. Um, we, I think maybe it was you who said this is a this is a community pharmacy problem. It's not just a, an individual store problem. As as we start to see more and more shortages and um, I, I think there are um, there's a play that we can make collectively as we start figuring out where those shortages lie and 
and how we can support one another um, through through this situation. And um, I believe there's some examples on the um, the COVID best practices site where um, maybe even some networks of, of community pharmacies are, are coming together to share um, maybe um, resources of where they know of different um, wholesalers that that's current that has current available uh, medications that are starting to be on shortage. Um, there's there's a lot of different um, efforts that are of, of collective nature, not just one pharmacy trying to figure it out all themselves. Um, that that may be a successful move as we're starting to prepare for this, um, teaming up with um, you know other CPSM pharmacies to kind of combat um, and make sure patients have access to critical medications. Great, yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. So uh, again, around shortage, uh, around shortage, just send us in what you have. Uh, a shortage so we can we can share that with others. I know that there have been a number of groups out there that that are starting to to address this locally or statewide. I've seen I've seen pharmacies, uh, CPS and pharmacies that are they're putting together Google Docs and, and listing things like azithromycin and hydroxychloroquine. How many each site has on stock in case they get low. They they know somebody close to them in their area that may have some. On hand, I've seen Facebook groups that are being created locally, um, and including uh, different, you know, pharmacies locally to help share. Hey, do you have do you have these ideas, these drugs in stock? Do you have these supplies in stock? So, um, you know, it, it's kind of uh, everything COVID locally or coronavirus locally. I, and I learned this today because I, I struggle with this. COVID is the disease. Corona is the virus or the beer, um, so I, I probably have not used those correctly in the past, but um, anything we can do to help, uh, not just from our business standpoint, but help serve our patients and, and make sure that we're getting them access to, to crucial medications that are needed. Yeah, as we have Becky on here this week, um, Becky, you picked up on kind of the the exhaustion, uh, probably even from my voice and Joe's voice. And and if you were to interview any of our listeners, you could probably hear it from them. Um, do you have any words of encouragement for for the pharmacists that are listening in today? Because um, it sounds like you've been a part of a lot of really um, awesome meetings where you're sitting around learning about. Um, you know, bringing community pharmacy to the forefront of a lot of the solution conversations. And, you know, what, what are some things that we can look ahead to? Um, you know, you mentioned therapeutic interchange and, and perhaps expanded ability to, to make those clinical decisions when needed during this time of a pandemic. Um, anything else we should start looking toward or be thinking about in terms of um, opportunities that may lie ahead for community pharmacy in the midst of um, what seems to be pretty dark days right now? Yeah, I um, and I, I started out by saying, and I will say to the the audience that um, the frontline practitioners, um, you, you definitely have my. Um, sincere appreciation and thoughts. Um, 
I bought in trying to manage um, the implementation of, of Medicare Part D back in 2006. We were in turbulent times, and I didn't think that you know I was going to get through that marathon. Um, and this just seems like make Medicare Part D just a, a, a walk in the park. Um, so um, bright days. I think that there is a growing appreciation both from our medical community as well as our state agencies and federal agencies of the critical role of pharmacists. Um, we just need to operationalize how that service component gets paid for, and we really need to look at that. At the same time, you're running frantically just trying to keep your patients um, uh, safe and well. So um, I can tell you that the state pharmacy associations are working around the clock right there with you. Um, and I have had, I, I was texting and calling and interacting with them over the weekend um, and trying to get the federal provider status across the finish line as early as 6 a.m. and as late as after midnight. And they're there. They were responsive. They were making phone calls. They were doing everything that they could. Um, I think that's positive because what we were getting when we were making those calls and interacting with our state agencies and our federal agencies was we get it, we got to figure this out. Now, the problem is, is that we're in a state of emergency, so figuring it out takes a little bit of time. Um, I think, quite frankly, you know, healthcare makes um, it a little bit more complicated than we need to, um, but we're we're seeing glimmers. I would really, really encourage at the state level to support your state associations and their efforts to really press on Medicaid, press on state employee plan, press on private payers that they have control over. Um, you know, the um, unfortunately, we're still are at the Supreme Court with the ERISA exemption and the employers that would fall under ERISA exemption. But press on everybody else to find a payment pathway or a workaround to pay pharmacists for the services, whether it be the dosage adjustment that needs to occur, whether it be the test and treat, um, whether it be, you know, maintaining that individual that needs a long-acting um, injectable. And they can't, they typically go into a, um, you know, an office practice and they can't get into the office practice because they're only seeing acute patients. You know, create that home. And, and create that that opportunity, and I I just have to have faith that we're gonna we're gonna figure out the revenue model. Um, I don't have answers though, but I do see a lot of hope in the appreciation for what pharmacists are doing and an acknowledgement of what pharmacists are doing and a um, understanding that we've got to figure out the payment model. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of the payment model, and, and we need to wrap things up here. So if I could get a, um, you know, I think that you said some some really important things, um, and we want to top all that off by uh, everybody keep yourself safe, keep your pharmacy safe. We need you out there as an essential employee, so we need you healthy. Um, so uh, we can't stress enough social distancing, hand washing, all the things that you've heard a million times and you tell folks a million times, keep practicing those uh, and, and make sure that, that your pharmacy is not transmitting the disease. 
Um, I, I think we've seen a lot of bad practices happening out there too. And and so first and foremost, we we've got to make sure that that you're not uh, contributing to to those bad practices. So uh, a, as we wrap up today, Becky, if I can, I'm going to throw a big question to you at, at the uh, and hope you can give me a, a three sentence or less answer. And, and you know, we've heard a lot about provider status and and have seen seen on the state level a lot of progress in, in the past few years. But would you say there's like a playbook of success that that should be implemented in, in every state uh, as we meet as we're meeting these challenges of pandemic? And, and this kind of has opened a lot of doors, I think. Uh, for us, and, and there is a lot of opportunity in this pandemic. W would you say there's a playbook for success that we can I, use um, about this? I think the playbook today is a little bit different than the playbook yesterday, Joe. And I will say that the uh, Medicaid, CMS Medicaid 1135 waiver does create an opportunity for pharmacists to be recognized as other licensed practitioners. And we need to push on our states and the state pharmacy associations are pushing on our states to make that happen. Um, for private and, you know, the commercial payers, it's going to take a legislative action unless they decide that they're in so much pain that they need us and figure out how to pay us without a legislative mandate. Um, would welcome anybody um, to you know, coordinate with their state association and, and or NASPA, and we will uh, provide as much support as we can. But it's got to be a unified ask. Um, we can't have a lot of people asking for a lot of different things, and we'll get nothing. So um, coordinate in your state as much as you can with your state association. They're already on it, and probably more than three sentences, Joe. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I have a, I have um, uh, we've seen a lot at CPSN around this waiver. Uh, we've got a couple webinars that that have been done on it and recorded. So, if, if you're wondering what she's talking about, the waiver and the opportunities that are that are within that, uh, feel free to reach out to us at the CP uh, info at cpesn.com and, and just say, hey, I need to learn more about this this waiver from our state and we'll get you some information. Um, any questions, Suzanne, you see from your end that we haven't addressed before we, before we take off today? I'm just giving a quick look. Um, I don't think so. Okay, perfect. And, um, and Ashley, we have all of the waiver before you do, we have our all of the waivers, all of the uh, restrictions that have been released at the state level on the NASPA website at www.naspa.us. There's a COVID-19 um, button. Just click on that and you can find, um, you know, we've compiled all of the waivers that have been released in any state and um, they're changing daily and we're in the process of uploading all of them. So if you don't see yours there yet, it will be there in the next couple of days because we've compiled them all. But I think that it helps feed the creativity of what perhaps you can work with your state agencies about the things that they need us to do and then how we get a, a business model to support it in this um, emergency time. Mm -hmm. Becky, thank you so much for being a part of, um, of the podcast today and, and sharing um, some of the insight that you have. I, I do encourage everyone, if you have not had a chance yet, to go on to the COVID 
bestpractices.com site. Please take some time to do that. There are um, a lot of great ideas that's pouring in from community pharmacists um, that you may find that you can implement or may be important um, to add into your um, into your community pharmacy. Um, if you want to see more about some of the ideas that are starting to float around from the, around the drug shortages and stockpiling, um, you can go to the COVIDBestPractices.com site and select um, drug shortages under the pharmacy focus strategies. I know Cody Clifton from the CPESN team has been working really closely with many of you um, to kind of compile all of those resources and ideas. And there's some good ones on there. So please uh, take, a, take a minute to, to look at those and see if any of that will apply to your practice right now. Um, the real goal of this is to share those best practices and, and try to Try to figure this out together. We are in unknown territory right now, and and um, um, every day seems to bring a new challenge. So, um, keep your head up and um, and reach out if you have any great um, ideas that is working well in your pharmacy. And um, we'll see you again next week. Yep, and don't forget to uh, to send us your best practices at COVID at cpesn.com. What we specifically would like to see are um, sending your protocols that you may have if an employee does test positive. Uh, number two, send us in any drug shortage uh, information you have, protocols, SOPs around drug shortage, uh, and send us in uh, something if you changed, extended your hours, or changed your hours around your workforce. So we've, we've got a great, lot of great feedback about how pharmacies are dealing with shortage and, and with sync and, and um, pharmacies in Michigan are reaching out to local providers and, and broadcasters about how these 30-day supply um, will ensure it, uh, uh, that, that we have access to medications and, and this stockpiling and going to 90-day supply, which a lot of the insurance are trying to push their patients into, probably is not the best route. So, uh, again, we, we look for your feedback, and, and that's what we, we send back out to you. So thanks, everyone, for, for joining us today. Thanks, everybody, for, for listening on the podcast, and we'll be back with you next week. Sounds great. So to our Thrive Subscribe podcast listeners, we, we hope you'll continue to listen in each week. We have episodes for you on Thursday and Saturday. Um, every Saturday for as long as we need it, we'll be back with both Ashley and Joe to lead us in these COVID-19 practice pearls. And like Joe mentioned, to all of our listeners out there, if you're not yet a CPSN pharmacy, it's okay to participate in the conversation. We want to hear from you. We want you to share your resources and your challenges and your questions. Um, if you are interested in learning more about the evidence around COVID treatment, I do want to point Point out that there is a CE podcast available. Just look for the episode from 326 and you can get a quick 25-minute overview of what's, um, what's evidence-based and what else is out there in the literature around treatment. And I think that relates back to a lot of the drug shortages that we're seeing and some of the rules that have been enacted by the Board of Pharmacies to help with that. So Joe and Ashley, um, thank you so much just for taking time to talk with our listen listeners today. Um, to all the luminaries out there from CPSN who are on the call today, we very much appreciate your questions, your sharing of best practices, as well as your service to your patients. Um, and Becky, especially, thank you for taking time out of a, a full day of calls. I know all the work that you do to support the state levels um, and all the work that NASPA does for the profession is, is very appreciated. Um, and, and really, most importantly, thank you to, to all the community pharmacy teams out there on the 
front lines for your service to your patients and communities. The Thrive Subscribe podcast is brought to you by Thrive Pharmacy Transformations. Visit us online at tptransformations.com where you can join our free community to inspire you, challenge you, and transform your pharmacy practice.